either we are there or not, ITSB Magazine still gets the best stories. There are plenty of conferences and all sorts of events that spark our curiosity and allow us to start conversations with some of the world's brightest minds. In person or virtually, we sit down with them at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Together, we discover what the synergy of these three elements means for the future of humanity. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open-source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the internet safer together. Learn more at crowdsec.net. EdgeScan offers continuous vulnerability intelligence as a service, accurately identifying vulnerabilities and exposures across the full stack. All threats are verified by cybersecurity experts, providing exploitable risk and remediation guidance, virtually false positive free. Learn more at edgescan.com. Pentera, the leader in automation security validation, allows organizations to continuously test the integrity of all cybersecurity layers by emulating real-world attacks at scale to pinpoint the exploitable vulnerabilities and prioritize remediation towards business impact. Learn more at www.pentera.io. Marco. John. The sirens are blaring. No, I think something important them. must have happened. <laughs> maybe That's right. maybe a, a breach, some ransomware. Why did they send those? Uh, uh, I think I think the siren. I think the siren was uh, a new round of funding was just received. <laughs> Somebody was celebrating. Either uh, that or the plaintiff call of companies looking for funding having a hard right. time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Where, where's all the money? Where's all the money? Ah, well, people hear a voice here on this podcast. It isn't you and I, Marco. And uh, I'll, ju I'll just kick it off by saying I'm thrilled to have Bob Ackerman on. Uh, Bob, it's great to have you on the show. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. It's great to see you again. And uh, th this is uh, part of our chats on the road to Hacker Summer Camp, uh, Black Hat and DEF CON in Las Vegas, uh, 2022. And we get the opportunity and the pleasure of chatting with a lot of uh, inspirational folks, uh, speakers and panelists and, and uh, others who've been in this industry a long time doing a lot of cool things. And, and Bob uh, fits that category. Uh, looking at investments and technologies and innovation, and how we solve uh, the problems uh, that we face in this industry and perhaps even why there's an industry at all. <laughs> I'm sure Bob could probably talk about that as well. Uh, so, yeah, so this is connected to our our uh, coverage of the event, and and uh, Marco, you ready to get into it? I am, and as you list this, I, I'm just going to repeat the the joke that we made before we start recording. We do not have four hours nor ten, <laughs> so we'll try to summarize as much as we can, and trust Bob that he can do that. And I have no doubts about it. So kind of like a, a, a some hints of what's been going on, where we're at, and where we're going. I, I'm excited. I'm getting my popcorn. I'm going to listen to this. That's right. Well, you have to hopefully. Uh chew your way through this one too, Marco. Um, but Bob, before we get into it, for folks who don't know who you are and what you've been up to uh, the last couple of days, 
maybe a few words about uh, some of the things you've been involved with uh, over the years. Well, you know, I've uh, I joined the dark side venture capital about 25 years ago, and for uh, the last 20 plus, have been investing in cybersecurity. So, uh, you know, the founder of Allegis Cyber, which was the first dedicated cyber venture firm, first dedicated cyber venture funds, also the co-founder of Data Tribe, uh, the uh, the cybersecurity foundry uh, based in Maryland that looks to transition cutting edge innovation out of the intelligence community and national security infrastructure into the commercial marketplace. So Data Tribe really operates at that seed level uh, where we team up with entrepreneurs uh, to build companies out of their expertise, uh, particularly leveraging offensive skill sets or deep data science skill sets that have been funded by government research. And Allegis is kind of classic early stage venture. Uh, so uh, that's, that's what keeps me busy. I'd say uh, that there's a lot of innovation in that space. And, and clearly we see something similar from, uh, from the Israeli perspective, right? A lot of, a lot of uh, innovation and in technology comes out of uh, Israeli government and military efforts. Um, I don't know if they have a similar setup where there's a, a private firm that helps see some of those through, but um, what, what, do you, what do you see there, Bob? Well, I think, look, the Israelis, you know, if, if you talk about the two leading centers of cyber innovation from a geographic perspective, it's, uh, it's the U.S., uh, probably 70% of the activity. Uh, Israel is probably 20%. Uh, yeah, 10% is rest of the world and within the rest of the world, I'd say UK is probably the leading, uh, you know, third source of innovation. But yeah, I think, you know, what you find is where you've got massive investment or significant investment in offensive capabilities, uh, you develop a lot of skill. Uh, and, and virtually everything we deal with in the threat landscape today originated at some point in time in an offensive playbook. So where you have those offensive playbooks, you develop that, that muscle memory, and that muscle memory gets leveraged to build defensive responses. Um, certainly, you know, that's the premise for Data Tribe. We've now started uh, 17 companies uh, over the last six years. We start about three a year, and we harvest the expertise that's developed a place like the National Security Agency, where the U.S. government has been spending tens of billions of dollars a year for decades developing very advanced cyber and related data science capabilities. Uh, and so, you know, leveraging that offensive knowledge or that data science knowledge to build either a defensive countermeasure to those offensive playbooks or to leverage the deep data science expertise in areas like homomorphic encryption. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we really, you know, we at, at, at Allegis and Data Tribe, but, you know, uh, other leading cyber-focused venture firms are, are really harvesting, you know, that uh, that massive investment in innovation, and and what it really does is it it compresses uh, a lot of the time to market uh, because you're not having to start with a clean piece of paper from scratch, but it also de-risks, uh, you know, some of the process of building companies. And I, homomorphic encryption is a great example. Uh, you know, we started a company at uh, at Data Tribe by the name of Invail uh, with Dr. Elsa Ann Williams. Well, she led the homomorphic encryption efforts at the National Security Agency, where they actually got uh, homomorphic encryption working in a way that scaled in production globally. Um, you know, that's a huge head start, uh, you know, in an area like homomorphic encryption where 
industry researchers that have been working for 20 years, but never nobody got to the point where it was commercially viable. It was functional, but not commercially viable. Well, when you throw massive resources at a problem like that and you make it a, a matter of national security and you're prepared to invest over the long haul, uh, you know, the R&D investment generates a return that, frankly, nobody in the commercial marketplace is prepared to make that investment until there's a more obvious or more apparent market opportunity. So um, I think you see that in the U.S. You certainly see it in Israel. Uh, and even when you look to the U.K., you see teams that came out of GCHQ uh, that have developed those skills and are looking to apply those skills to dealing with some of the cyber challenges we have in the commercial market. So as we have been doing some of uh, these chats on the road to Black Hat and DEF CON, we talked to like Chris Kraft, Steve Wiley, and we looked back as much as we could to 25 years of Black Hat, for example. And again, we don't have days or months to talk about this, but I'm curious in a nutshell, maybe are the parameters to judge a cybersecurity company now either to found it or to invest in it have changed? due to the different dynamic between public and, and maybe in private sector or, you know, what, what's, what's in a nutshell that difference that you can tell? Yeah, look, there's, there's been, you know, huge, huge evolution. If I go back to, you know, 22 years ago when I started investing in cybersecurity, you know, kind of the, the, the total market was, was maybe $5 billion. Uh, you know, and you had, you know, Symantec and McAfee and, and you know, frankly, not too much else. Uh, even at Allegis, when we transitioned our investment focus exclusively to cyber 10 years ago, um, people thought we were just paranoid. Uh, there, there wasn't that broad buy-in that, that cyber was a, was a big, significant problem that we needed to tackle. And I think what people failed to comprehend, and part of what our insight was, that as the global economy digitized, um, the, there would be digital vulnerabilities to that infrastructure. Uh, and that would be the cyber threat landscape. So our premise was that, you know, cyber was not vertical, uh, even though you could focus on it. Cyber, in fact, was broadly horizontal. And anywhere you had a microprocessor and data, you had a cyber exposure. Uh, and so I think there's been a growing realization as that global economy is digitized and more of the adversaries have looked for ways to compromise uh, that infrastructure to extract value, uh, however that is defined. There's been a growing awareness uh, of this existential threat, and that uh, that that realization is what really has kind of fueled uh, the growth of of our industry over time. Um, I still think we're in the very early days, to tell you God's honest truth. I mean, this is this is good guys versus bad guys. Uh, the bad guys are just as smart as the good guys. Uh, they are equally and sometimes better motivated, and they're unrestrained. And so you have a very interesting dynamic. Uh, of, of bad guys versus good guys with the bad guys actually driving innovation. Uh, they, they identify vulnerabilities that they can exploit and they're better at doing that than the defensive guys who are really running about the business of deploying applications, deploying systems, trying to run the business. And oh yeah, by the way, let's make it secure. Whereas the offensive guys, the bad guys get up every day saying, Where's the vulnerability? Where's the hole? Where's the gap? How do I exploit it? How do I monetize it? So you've got this very interesting dynamic in cyber where offense actually drives the innovation. Uh, and what that means on the defensive side is uh, we are largely playing catch up. 
uh, and usually a little, you know, a little late to the party. We're reacting. Uh, and so if you talk about that 25 year uh, time horizon, yeah, growing awareness, a realization of the threats, massive investment, both on the part of the customer to secure their infrastructure, on the part of the innovators to provide the solutions to secure that infrastructure. But we're still largely in a reactive mode today. And I think when we, we talk a little bit about the future, you know, my perspective is we have to get out of reactive and get to proactive. Uh, you know, part of that is secure by design. And part of that, frankly, is, is thinking like a bad guy, thinking like an attacker. One of the reasons, you know, my playbook involves uh, pulling teams, uh, you know, let's, let's pick one. Let's pick Dragos in the industrial control security space. You know, Dragos began life at Data Tribe. Well, what did we do? We picked up three guys that were the core of the offensive team at the NSA in industrial control systems. And what was the task? Leverage your knowledge, leverage your expertise about the technology and the threat landscape and the vulnerabilities and build defensive countermeasures. You know, and if you want to build cutting edge defense, you start with the guys that created the threats. You start with the guys that were on the offensive side of the equation. And I think if, if we embrace that playbook, we're going to get a lot better at kind of closing the gap between offense and defense. Understanding typically, you know, there's probably a four to five year time gap between when an offensive playbook is developed within, let's say, the intelligence community and when that begins to manifest itself in the broader commercial market. Um, but you know, if you, if you pull out a clean piece of paper and say, I want to build a cybersecurity company, uh, what should I build? Uh, at that point in time, if you don't have the answer to the question, you're already too late to the party. And so in our world, uh, when we're starting companies or working with teams, unless they've spent their entire career in cybersecurity, probably not going to be a fit for us. This market moves too fast. It's too dynamic. You can't really learn on the job. Uh, you've got to bring a baseline of knowledge and expertise with an understanding of where the vulnerabilities and gaps are uh, if you're going to start a company and have a have a reasonable chance of building something that's commercially viable and successful. So let's let's look back again, uh, Bob, because clearly over the years, the the infrastructure has changed, right? We had on-prem data centers and uh, perimeters, and it was really servers and firewalls and maybe your your uh, email gateways to protect. Over time, we've introduced cloud and apps and APIs and, and all kinds of fun things that just open everything up. And I'm wondering your view of how things have evolved from a cyber perspective. I've, I presume we played catch up against all those innovations as well. And where do we sit now with that? Do we, are we, are we kind of set our, are we set in a place where we can actually help new innovations be secure, kind of to your point of secure by design, or are we always going to be in a catch-up mode? I, I, I would like to say yes, um, but I think it's a challenge because the pressure to innovate and to digitize, you know, on the side of a business or to an enterprise, uh, you know, the difference between success and failure is the pace of that innovation. And so, so much of what we're doing, not in security, but in board, you know, in case base case IT is to drive that innovation as fast as we possibly can. And what happens is that security all too many times becomes a secondary consideration, if that. And so to get to the place, Sean, that you're talking about, we have to have a, a significant cultural shift to understand that while we're deploying advanced technology, security is at the table 
as part of that conversation. Can, I, can I jump in, Bob? Because yeah. I, I don't know if this is a weird thought or not, but it seems like we're funding cybersecurity companies to come in and, and help shore up weaknesses and new technologies. I'm wondering, is there an opportunity to fund security within other things that are being funded? So we say, you're going to get funding for this new container technology, and here's a security venture that or capitalist that uh, is going to come and join us to ensure that you're investing in security in that. Look, I, I think I think that's where we have to get. I, I think I think you know we're beginning to have an awakening. Uh, you know, when you and it, and it's not driven by technology; it's driven by business. You know, when the Securities and Exchange Commission, for example, starts to hold corporations accountable and put policy in place in terms of how they manage cyber risks, uh, when this becomes a board level uh, set of responsibilities, when you have the emergence of chief risk officer, all of a sudden cybersecurity moves out of the exclusive technology domain into the business risk domain. And now all of a sudden, you know, at, at board levels, you're having conversations about, let's talk about our cyber risk, let's talk about our exposure, because that is potentially the existential threat to the business enterprise. And I think when you begin to have that conversation and it pulls in the insurance industry, it pulls in the regulators, when you begin to have that conversation is we, when you begin to see a cultural shift in terms of, yeah, we're gonna drive innovation, but with that innovation, security has to walk part and parcel with that because innovation that exposes us to risk that we can't manage or mitigate doesn't help the business. But it is, uh, you know, you're, you know, when you have that board level conversation, in many cases, you have you have boards of directors that don't understand cybersecurity, have very limited exposure to it. Uh, and, and so for me, you know, if you want to see that real evolution, it's when it's when the C-suite and the board of directors begin to understand the threat to the enterprise associated with cyber in the same way they look at other threats to the business, you get that cultural evolution where people say, yeah, we've got these really exciting new digital initiatives, but we need to have a security conversation in parallel with the functional discussion about this new digital initiative. And I think we're in the, the very, very, very early days of those conversations beginning to, to emerge. You know, I, I, wrote, a, I wrote a piece for, for Forbes, I don't know, three or four or five weeks ago, talking about you know, the need for um, chief information security officers in whatever flavor that is, to have a seat at that board table. Uh, and that, you know, that means uh, whether the CISO is within the organization participating with the board in these discussions or it's retired CISOs, you know, being, you know, tutored to sit on a corporate board and bring that experience and expertise, that perspective into the discussion. Um, and I think, frankly, I think that's where a lot of it's gonna start. You know, when this really becomes a priority uh, and it becomes a mandate in how IT, supports the business and how new functions and services are deployed, uh, you've got to have that level of awareness to, to really drive that cultural change. Yeah, I, I love you just said cultural change a few times because I, <laughs> I was going to go there. Because I'm, I'm going to make a joke here. Nobody should take me seriously. But when you hear this conversation, you're like, hmm, maybe I get a more secure investment investing with the bad guys. But as a joke, that's something that, yeah, sure, is the shortcut for the quick buck for sure. But in the long run, you're going to be against the law, number one, and eventually you're going to get cut, right? And and the fact is that we have to give time to our society to evolve and think this industry, let's face it, it's, it's really young in terms of evolution of our society. Absolutely. 
Well, I, I love what you just said and how everything needs to come together. And again, think the investment not for the quick buck now, but for the long run. And and I, I love to hear from you. How are things moving with this? I mean, our company being developed in a more, I don't know, uh, cultural environment that is fit or we're still far away from it? I, look, I, I, again, as I said to Sean, I, I wish I could say yes, but we, <laughs> we, we still have challenges, right? Uh, you know, but, and, and, and until we get that cult, cultural bit to flip, you know, we're, we're still going to think about cybersecurity as, as, a, as a technical domain. And, and there are technical aspects to it. But again, it fundamentally is about risk, right? Uh, and so I, I think we're getting smarter in some ways. Um, but I, you know, what I really want to see is I want to see this transition from reactive whack-a-mole, uh, which is where we largely are today, to beginning to think prescriptive and preemptive. Um, you know, I have a, I have a, a view that long term, the most fundamental solutions and approaches to securing enterprises are actually to be data centric. You know, if you think about the mouse, right, what's the mouse after the cheese, right? And, and for, for, you know, hackers and attackers, most of the time they're after data. So in the cases of industrial control systems, they're after the systems themselves. And what that tells me is we need to think differently about the solution to the problem. Yeah, we can secure our perimeters. We can put intrusion detection in. You know, what we've done to date is I want to see the adversary as far out as possible. I want to raise my perimeter as high as I possibly can to stop them from getting in. And if they get in, I want to find and kill them as fast as we possibly can. And that basically is the relentless mouse trying to find a path to the cheese. Well, we need to get to a place, and it's why I get excited about uh, things like homomorphic encryption, encryption of, of data in use, where the adversary gets in and the data is useless. You know, And, and so you know, I think things like homomorphic encryption are going to turn out to be very, very important. That's not the only one, but that data-centric approach to security, if the adversary is after the data, we need to spend more time securing the data as opposed to the infrastructure that accesses the data. I also think we're, we're likely, you know, if I, if I sit down and reflect on some of my conversations with my friends in the, in the offensive intelligence community, where we're going to see um, data-based or data-centric attacks where data is going to be weaponized, uh, you know, and whether that is artificial intelligence and training data and manipulating models or corrupting data, uh, you know, to, to manipulate systems that depend upon that data, that's going to be the next big threat vector. And we have no defense against those attacks today. Uh, you know, we, I, I, I chair something called the Global Cyber Innovation Summit, which is a uh, been described as sort of the Davos of cybersecurity. It's an invitation-only gathering of chief information security officers, policymakers, really thought leaders in in, in uh, intelligence community and cybersecurity. And uh, Sean Tursky, uh, two years ago, gave a presentation on the weaponization of artificial intelligence. And you see the real distinction between how offense and defense thinks about things. From a defensive perspective, we think of artificial intelligence as how do we close the skill gap? How do we automate processing all that identity to find the, the signal in the noise to improve our efficiency in responding to attacks? Sean flipped that and said, now imagine a weaponized attack or a, an AI-based attack. 
the Office of Personnel Management compromise doesn't take place in nine months. It takes place in nine hours. How do you respond to that? So, you know, when I sit down and talk about a data-centric approach to cybersecurity, I think that's the future. And I think that's when you begin to get prescriptive uh, about how do you think about cyber in terms of what the adversary is after and how do you secure that infrastructure? Uh, and I think that's going to be one of the big areas of innovation going forward. It doesn't mean that threat intelligence and perimeter and insider, it doesn't mean we ignore all that stuff, but it just means, you know, as we secure that infrastructure, as we raise the bars, as we make it harder and harder for the adversary, the adversary doesn't say, well, yeah, that was a good run. I'm done. No, <laughs> the adversary leverages all of that offensive skill set and knowledge and just keeps innovating coming up with clever, new, creative approaches to get around all of the defensive you know, parameters that we've established. Uh, now, from an investor's perspective, the good news is um, this innovation cycle goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And certainly for the rest of my career, we're going to be dealing with this. But we are in those early days where we're, we're, we're still trying to transition from whack-a-mole to beginning to think more preemptively and more prescriptively and this is where you start talking about security by design uh, and thinking about as we develop systems, we develop them in a way that they're secure. We begin to think about securing the data uh, and not just at an encryption level, but at a, at a much more advanced, much more fundamental level. And so I think data science actually is going to grow and drive a lot of what we have for security. What we're doing today is what we need to do. It's important. It's essential, but it's not going to be sufficient because the adversary is not going to stop. They're going to keep innovating. They certainly are, Bob, and ho hopefully uh, we continue to see uh, uh, positive innovation as well to, to help. Well, we're, we're, we're going to see we're going to see both, Sean. I know, I know, <laughs> and that's uh, and and there'll be plenty of it uh, at Black Hat and DefCon. Both uh, Arsenal is a lot of a lot of uh, fun tools, open source tools that uh, represent this innovation. Clearly, a lot of research and and presentations. Uh, and certainly the uh, business hall has a lot of innovation yeah. as well. So lots of things well, for you, folks you, to you, see. You touch, you touch on open source is a great example, right? All of the economic benefits that accrue from open source at the expense of security, right? And and, and so you know, I'm an old Unix guy, right? So, you know, open source runs through my, my blood. Uh, and there are a lot of economic benefits that are associated with open source. There are a lot of security issues associated with open source. And, and this is where, you know, our, our rush to innovate and leveraging open source, which is all positive, has a secure side to it that we only wake up to and realize after the fact. Uh, creates a new vector for innovation to, okay, how do we rethink that in a way that security runs with that open source? So, Yep. Excellent point, Bob. And I wish we had another hour or four days and five minutes to chat with you. Um, Perhaps we'll have you back on again because I, I have a gazillion yeah. questions, but we've run out of time uh, for this particular Chats on the Road to Hacker Summer Camp. Um, so, Bob, I want to thank you for your insight, for what you've seen uh, over the last 25 years in investing and in this space and, and a view for the future. It sounds like a uh, culture of uh, secure by design is, uh, is what we need to strive for. And uh, hopefully we, we can get there. So thanks, Bob. Always no, a pleasure. I'm going to go. 
I'm gonna go check on the cheese right now. Actually, you got me all worried about. <laughs> well, that's why you keep you keep the cheese in the Tupperware. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. Thank you, Bob. Yep. All right, so, guys. Everybody listening, there'll be links uh, in the show notes. Uh, I think we'll we'll put a link to to Bob's article in Forbes that he referenced, and anything else that Bob thinks would be useful for folks to. Uh, understand about this space and uh, stay tuned for more as we uh, continue our chats on the road to Black Hat and Defcon. Pentera, the leader in automation security validation, allows organizations to continuously test the integrity of all cybersecurity layers by emulating real-world attacks at scale to pinpoint the exploitable vulnerabilities and prioritize remediation towards business impact. Learn more at www.pentera.io. EdgeScan offers continuous vulnerability intelligence as a service, accurately identifying vulnerabilities and exposures across the full stack. All threats are verified by cybersecurity experts, providing exploitable risk and remediation guidance, virtually false positive free. Learn more at edgescan.com. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open-source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the internet safer together. Learn more at CrowdSec.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of our on-location conversation. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.